John chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, open up there. If not, it's going to be on the screen. As you can see already, it's going to be, uh, we're going to be starting in verse 15. But before we jump into the reading, I really want to just quickly set up what we're jumping in on here because we're going to jump in right in the middle of a conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples, his closest friends. So we're, we're jumping exactly right in the middle. So a conversation has been happening already and then a conversation will continue. But we'll jump in here in John 14. Jesus says this in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. Be, be, uh, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Skip down to verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, many of us are familiar with this next verse, not realizing that before Jesus says this, he's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He says, peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. We'll skip over to ver or chapter 16, verse 7 really quick. Verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 7 says this. Jesus is still speaking. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. One more time, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come and speak. Would we have eyes to see and ears to hear exactly what you're trying to show us this morning? Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Imagine for a second, it's one thing to hear that in this room right here, but it would have been a whole other thing to be sitting in that room with Jesus, hearing these words come out of Jesus' mouth. Just remember, you had given your life to follow this man. The one you believe is the Messiah, the promised one from God who's here to set your people free. The one who is going to very literally defeat all of your enemies. These, these followers of Jesus expected Jesus to lead a, a physical revolt against the Roman Empire. That was their hope. Jesus is here to literally lead a, a military campaign to take out all of our, our, our enemies. And Jesus said, it's for your good that I'm leaving. I can imagine, because there are people just like you and me, come again, Jesus? I bet there was a little bit of irritation, maybe some panic, maybe even a little bit of anger that started to fill the room. What has this all been for then, Jesus, if you're going away? Probably a sense of hopelessness maybe even started to fill their minds a bit. Let me ask you this. How many of you right now would absolutely, if given the chance, would trade your life right now, right now, for just one face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus. Just honesty. Here's the crazy thing. Jesus actually says the complete opposite. He's actually excited to leave. It is good for you, it is for your good that I am going away. 
why would he say something like that? Because that's pretty counterintuitive for us, isn't it? He is excited because someone is coming. Capital S. Jesus is living in an excited anticipation for one who is going to come. Jesus is going to suffer. He's going to be betrayed, tortured, and die. One of the most painful deaths any of us could ever imagine. And yet, in this moment right here, Jesus is not hopeless. He is actually filled with hope. The question we should be asking in this moment, and maybe some of you are right now, just as much as the disciples were in that moment, is simply this. Why? Why? Why was the coming, of Je- or the coming of the Holy Spirit so important to Jesus? This right here, this question is what we're going to explore today. Now, many of us may have an answer to that question, and you know what? You may totally be right. But what I want to invite all of us to do this morning is actually lay down that, what we think the answer to that question is. So that maybe we could have eyes to see and ears to hear, not our answer to that question, but what God's answer to that question is. Hope is defined as a sense of trust. It's it's a trust and a deep belief that a positive outcome is actually possible. Desmond Tutu, who was an Anglican bishop in South Africa during a time of severe discrimination and hatred amongst two different races of people, he said this, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness. Isn't that good? Here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. I believe here and now we may not grasp the significance and the full weight of what Jesus is talking about here when he's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Because I believe Jesus is pointing us to a much larger story of hope and transformation than we even realize. Just to say the words of Jesus again, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Because peace I give you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled, and don't be afraid. Today we're finishing our series from old to new, the Holy Spirit, but it's also Pentecost Sunday. Thank you, power outage, because we would not have been ending on Pentecost Sunday. The very beginnings of the church, that's what we look to and and remember on day like today. We are here today on Graham and Anne, worshiping the name of Jesus in 2023 because of what happened this day 2,000 years ago. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Back to our question. Why was the coming of the Holy Spirit so important to Jesus? To understand this question, we have to go on a bit of a journey. Now, as quickly as possible, I'm going to take us from start to finish of this book. (laughs) the proper response. I promise I will be quick. That's why I have notes. Um, Because we need to see that this conversation with Jesus here in this moment where Jesus, maybe even when I ask that question for some of you in the room about whether you would trade a moment for Jesus for right now, that maybe was just like, wait, John, that's really disorienting me right now. Hold on. Because a face-to-face encounter with Jesus would be incredible. That's not bad. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that moment right there with Jesus and his disciples is a part of a much larger story that we may not fully grasp. Are you with me today? Three of you. All right. I'll get you in the end. Genesis chapter 1, we read this. This is the very first encounter we have with the Spirit of God. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. 
And we read that the Spirit of God, capital S, so the presence of God is hovering over the waters. Now we've looked at this phrase before, but the best way to understand hovering is actually a, to picture a mother hen laying on her eggs. Super weird picture. Why in the world would the author want us to understand that? Well, let me ask this. What is a mother hen doing when she's laying on her eggs? She's incubating them, right? So why, why would she incubate the eggs? To bring life. It's pretty beautiful when you think about it. So what we read right here on literally verse two of the entire Bible on verse or in verse two we get this truth about the Holy Spirit when the Spirit of God comes new life takes place that's important for us to understand right out of the gate wherever the presence of God is life is happening in that place we said this last week it is God's presence and God's presence alone that makes the world perfect and good including people and as we keep reading, we see human beings rejecting God's presence and instead choosing their own way, choosing their desires, their wants, what they think is good instead of what God says is good. But unfortunately, and we know this, many of us, that they don't find the good that they thought they would. And so in just a few short chapters, we're face to face with a whole other reality where the spirit of God is rejected, death occurs. Where life, goodness, love, harmony, peace once lived, now death, sadness, hatred, and chaos now exists. All because God's presence is abandoned. Now, in our own human minds, we may expect, well, in rejection, what does one usually do when one is rejected? We walk away. But God doesn't think like us. God is too good. His love is too strong to simply just walk away. So instead, God makes a way. And over and over again throughout the entire Old Testament, through people like Abraham, Moses, and the Israelites, and Joshua, and so many others, God makes one promise. He uses different words, but he makes this one promise over and over and over again. He says, I will give you my presence and the hope you long for if you follow what I say is good. If you follow what I say is good, my presence will be with you and the hope that you so desperately need, you will have. To Abraham, God says this, I will make you into a great nation. He says, I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. What I'm doing for you isn't just simply for you. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. All peoples, get this, on earth will be blessed through you. To Moses and the Israelites, God promises this, then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. And then to Joshua, many of us are familiar with this. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. God says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I will be with you. 
My presence will dwell with you. Do not be afraid. I will bless you over and over again. This is the promise that God makes to his people. Why this promise? Why, why this promise? Of all the things that God could promise his people, why this? Because God knows it will only be his presence that will satisfy their desire for good. It is God's presence and God's presence alone that will satisfy their soul. God knows that no, no amount of money or wealth will do it. No amount of land or animals or servants or any other kind of strength or success they could imagine on their own won't be enough to satisfy their soul. God knows it'll only be his presence dwelling with his people that will bring about the good that they desire. But unfortunately, the people don't listen. Unlike us today. It's a joke. Time after time, they leave God's presence behind just like Adam and Eve did. But the beautiful thing is God never forgets his promise. Through the prophets, God reminds the people of his promise of his presence, basically saying, hope is coming. To the prophet Isaiah, he says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Skip down to verse 6, for us, or for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Speaking of the coming of Jesus, God says to the prophet Ezekiel, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your, uh, from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Get this. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I hope you see it. I hope you see it. From old to new has been the plan in God's heart from the very moment Adam and Eve rejected God's presence. Because God knows the only way his creation will ever be okay is if his presence and only his presence dwells with his people. And then we get into the New Testament and we find that a son is born. Exactly as God promised. Jesus enters into a broken world, hurting world, saying, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the living bread. I am the living water. Jesus will go on to say things like, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But catch the word here. But I have come that they may have what? Life and have it to the full. Because what do we know about the Spirit of God when he comes? New life happens. Jesus is literally filled with the very same presence of God that was hovering over the waters at the very beginning. Confronting every single way human beings attempt to find life to the full on their own, through power, through money, through sex and relationship, through war and pain, Jesus is showing them a better way. He's showing them the way. He's showing the only way, truly, a life filled with the presence of God in real time, directly in front of them. Listen, friends, this is so important right here. No matter how hard people tried to fix the broken world they lived in, it never worked. All around Jesus was brokenness. There was pain and 
and hatred for one another. Power was used to manipulate those in society who were less than than everybody else. It didn't take long to look around you and just feel the black abyss of hopelessness weigh on your chest. How is any of this going to be okay? How is any of this going to be okay? But Jesus was the Prince of Peace. He wasn't fazed by the hopelessness that everybody else felt because he came with a promise of hope. He came showing us how to live a life filled with the presence of God, an actual living hope through his people by how we live, by loving our enemies, by giving ourselves away for the good of someone else. Jesus said to pray for those who persecute you. See, Jesus knew that a life filled with the Holy Spirit was leading somewhere. Listen, Jesus didn't simply come to whisk people off to heaven. All this was leading to a hope, a hope so, so good we can even barely wrap our heads around it today. Listen, Eleanor Roosevelt once said this, the most important word in the English language is hope. The most important word in the English language is hope. You and I can't live without hope. We can't. I experience this every single morning. It's around 5 a.m. I'll give you a little window into my life at 5 a.m. I get the girls up with some bread. Well, I don't get them up. That's insane. They get me up. And I get them set up for bread. I just say, come on, guys. This is how life works. Get up. No, I don't do that. Um, I get them set up with breakfast, and I just try maybe close my eyes for a few extra minutes on the couch if I'm lucky. But like clockwork, every single morning, the exact same question comes out of Adeline's mouth. I kid you not, every morning. Dad, what are we doing today? Just a reminder, this isn't at 10 a.m. This is 5 a.m. And this is how I want to respond. Sweetheart, it's a miracle I'm using any kind of mental capacity and words at all right now. You had me so much, up so much in the night. I have no idea what we're doing today. Because it's 5 a.m. and most of the world is still sleeping, kid. <laughs> but I don't answer like that. Because I know Adeline. And I know why she's asking. She's asking because she wants to have a hope in her day that her day will not be boring. Right? And really, that's what she's asking. Dad, what are we doing today? Because I got to put my hope in more than just this moment right now because my world, my world around me is telling me today is going to be boring. So you better give me a hope that today is going to be good. <laughs> right? Dad, you better have a proper answer. We're either going to the park, we're going to the beach, we're going to the Gillespie's to pet their goats. You tell me what we're doing. But I'm looking for you, Dad. You better give me a hope or I'm going to start screaming. <laughs> she wants to put her hope in something for the day. Truly, that her day will not be boring. Because hope is a very powerful thing. Right? Hope gives us a peace. Hope, it settles the fear and the anxiety we so often experience. Hope is an anchor. Literally, it is an anchor when everything else around us is chaos. What do we hold on to? Hope. But the problem is when we look around us, it doesn't take long to experience truly the fact and the truth that, that hope seems to be on pretty shaky ground right now, right? We turn on the news and we scroll through our news app just for even a few minutes, and it seems, maybe I'm the only one, but hope in that, in the world we live in alone, that's slipping through our fingers. 
Earlier this week, I was uh, reading a headline, and this is, I'm going to give a couple of examples of just this week. At the very top of the list was this. Nearly 2,000 children were abused by clergymen in Illinois. 2,000 kids. The article went on to read that over a span of 90 years, over 450 Catholic clergymen had abused over 2,000 kids. What? Like, what do you do with that? Well, hopefully it just gets better. No. This is another one. Last week, the Surgeon General of the U.S. made an emergency statement stating that the U.S. is now entering a new epidemic of loneliness and isolation. I'm not kidding. Loneliness is becoming that dangerous and that crippling, they literally have to categorize it as an epidemic. Friends, we need a hope stronger than this. The North American dream isn't working. One quote I, I tend to come back to often. Now I know that's heavy. Good news is coming. Hold on to your hats. But this quote I keep coming back to from a pastor and a writer I, I, I go to often. He says this, we're drowning in freedoms but thirsting for meaning. I think that's so true. I think that's so true. Or as Jesus put it in Matthew 16, what good would it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? We are very much living in a time in history where the world is starving for a real hope. And we need it. It says in 13, or Proverbs 13, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase of the Bible, the message, said it this way, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heartsick. Right? It's when you, you decide to just check out your retirement fund and because of the economy falling, you just notice your numbers just keep. Unrelenting disappointment. Or it's the never-ending desire for a new car or a new renovation or a new piece of furniture. And that desire for new just does not seem to go away and you're disappointed every time. Unrelenting disappointment. Or it's another good politician who makes a promise they know they can't keep and our government lets us down again. Unrelenting disappointment. Our world is very heartsick, as Eugene Peterson said. And our version of hope, as I already said, is simply not good enough. So again, let me ask the question. Our question this morning, why was the coming of the Holy Spirit so important to Jesus? Simply because of hope. Hope was about to break into a world desperately aching for it. All the brokenness, all the pain, all the anger and hatred, all the sickness, literally death itself was about to be dealt a mighty blow. Hope was about to break into the darkness and shine a light that could never be put out. Jesus literally got in the flesh with a heart bursting with love for you and for me as well as the disciples and everybody else that would ever live on planet earth filled with hope was going to selflessly give himself on a cross to break the chains of selfishness that was enslaving the world around us. Jesus, a living hope. And then on the third day, just as he promised, Jesus came bursting out of the grave. 
O death, where is your victory? O grave, where is your sting? Hope dawning just like the warmth of a sun after a dark, stormy night. See, all of this, why spend so much time mapping out so many stories in the Old Testament? Because I want you to see hope is not just for a moment. All of this was leading somewhere. Jesus knew death would not get the final say. So where was this all leading for Jesus? What future did Jesus see that in this moment the disciples may not have seen? So to answer this question, we need to go to the end. We need to go to the end of our story. Revelation, it's, it's, a, it's a book where the apostle John or the disciple John, one of Jesus' closest friends, has a vision from God and God, or John writes it down. And John writes this, showing, showing him, sorry, John writes what God was showing him by saying this in Revelation 21. John writes, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. John writes, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of, out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, and when he says loud voice from the throne, John is speaking of Jesus. Says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. This should sound familiar because this is the promise that God has been saying from the start. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making all things new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. From old to new. This right here is why Jesus was so excited for the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to come. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, this hope is coming closer. That's pretty good news. <laughs> this isn't metaphorical. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. Can you even wrap your head around that? It's hard to, isn't it? It's hard. This is why Jesus was willing to die. One of the most, as I said, beautiful deaths anyone could ever imagine. Willing to be tortured and betrayed because from an outrageously full heart of the strongest and the deepest love we could ever imagine, he gave you and I hope. Hope that there is an answer, stay with me, that there's an answer to the pain that we all experience. Hope that drug overdoses and suicides are not the answer when life seems so barely dark and I cannot bear it. Hope that the wars and financial crisis we see almost every day will not last forever. Hope that cancer and AIDS and dementia and Alzheimer's do not have the final word. that should make your brain do a few backflips because honestly, that's really hard to imagine in the world we're living in today. Hope that someday, someday God is going to make all things new. Not maybe, not perhaps, right? Not like if he's having a good day and if he feels like it in the end. No, 
This is what God will do because God keeps his promises. That needs to wake us up. It's been waking me up all week. Sometimes we settle into just that brokenness is just what I know, so I just got to, you know, muscle through it. That's not the gospel of Jesus. It's not the gospel of Jesus. We don't get to be pessimistic as followers of Jesus. We don't. As followers of Jesus, not because what we can create on our own, because on my own, I can be very downtrodden. I'm very good at that. I can be very melancholy on my own. Absolutely. But when the Holy Spirit makes you alive and wakes you up to this kind of a hope, whew, I get to be optimistic even when I don't feel like it because I know where it's going. God keeps his promises. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Or maybe we could say from old to new. And for those of us who have said yes to Jesus and yes to the transforming work of the Holy Spirit, we are invited into this living hope right now with how we live, as I said already, how we speak to each other. We don't just do it because it's nice. We do it because when God makes all things new, this is probably how we're going to speak to one another. With how we spend our money, with how we spend our time, how we, what we watch on TV or what we don't watch on TV, how we parent our children, how we love our husband or our wife. We don't just do it because it's nice. We do it because God is making all things new. When we let the Holy Spirit transform our hearts and we live a life that is filled with hope that God is making all things new, but it's starting with me. The life I am living is a picture of what God is going to do in the end. This is why it is so important to let God transform our desires. Our desires, or what the Bible calls our flesh, does not point to the hope that Jesus had. Right? When we listen to our own desires, we disqualify the hope that Jesus came to bring us. By default, we're saying to Jesus, when we listen to our own desires instead of the leading of the Holy Spirit, what we are saying is, actually, Jesus, I have a better hope than you have. Right? When we let our desires rule our money, or we let our own desires uh, rule what we look on our phones or on our computer when no one is looking, or our attitudes, or our hurtful words, or our thought life. How we live our lives as followers of Jesus is so important. We were never meant to simply just say yes to Jesus and sit in a building like this and wait for him to come back. If Jesus filled us with a living hope, he probably meant for us to show it to people. Because I'll be honest, sitting in a room like this until Jesus comes back sounds pretty boring. <laughs> Why did Jesus say, let your light shine before men so that they may know your good works and who? Glorify your Father in heaven. Because you're living a life filled with the presence of God. We become a signpost pointing to the healing work God is doing and he's going to do in the end because we have allowed that healing work to begin with me. We follow Jesus. We surrender our lives to him and we learn from him, filled with the Holy Spirit in order for the world to know how good he actually is. I'm gonna invite Pastor Michelle to come up. We're almost done. And now finally we get to Acts chapter two. 
After Jesus rose from the dead, he told his disciples to go into Jerusalem and wait for the gift that was to come. The Holy Spirit was coming. The promise of God throughout the Old Testament was about to begin. And so they waited. Desperate for the gift Jesus promised. Hungry and thirsty for what only God could satisfy. Trusting, as we said at the very beginning, what is hope? Trusting that a positive outcome is going to happen. Trusting the hope that they were waiting for and aching for was found in Jesus and the coming of the Holy Spirit. They didn't realize it then, but what they were waiting for was actually new life. And we read this in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, like the sound of, the blow, of, of a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. God was faithful to his promise. As he said to Ezekiel, I will put my spirit in you. It's right there. A flame of hope that could never be extinguished. The presence of God in and with his people. Not for a moment, but forever. I started this series seven weeks ago with one single quote. The quote was this, the greatest need you and I have, the greatest need of collective humanity is a renovation of our hearts. That spiritual place within us from which outlook, choices, and actions come has been formed by a world away from God. Now it must be transformed from old to new. Or really maybe what we should have been saying from the very beginning, from death to life. So here's the question. As we end this series on Pentecost Sunday, here's the question. What hope are you holding on to? What hope are you holding on to? Maybe here's a better way to ask it. What, what's going to fix all the brokenness and the pain you see every single day all around you? What, what do you think is going to fix all that? Or what do you think is going to fix all the brokenness and pain in you? We all put our hope in something. We have to. Like, we, can't, we can't live without hope. Human beings can't live without a hope. That's why severe depression and anxiety can be so crippling. It's when hope has disappeared. We can't survive without hope. You know, if I have enough money, then things will turn around. Or if I get this job over here, then everything will be all right. If I just stay positive and have good thoughts, everything will just take a turn. The reality is, though, eventually the money runs out. Right? Our government lets us down. Good thoughts only last as long as a bad thought takes its place. <laughs> Power shifts almost every single day depending on who's in charge. Here's another question. Is your hope leading you to the good that you're looking for? Maybe for you this morning. Actually, I'm going to get us to stand up. Can we stand together? We're just going to make some room for the Holy Spirit to come.
this is two invitations really this morning. Just not because it's magical, but would you just close your eyes? Just we can be distracted very quickly. Just say, come Holy Spirit. Just like the psalmist prayed in Juan 39, search my heart. Know my anxious thoughts. Maybe, maybe right now you just ask the Lord, God, what have I put my hope in? Where's my hope, God? Maybe for you this morning, you know, you're, you came in this morning and you're just absolutely broken. You don't need anybody to convince you that the world is a broken place. You just know it. You, you just know it. You don't need anybody to convince you to look inside and see the broken places. You know it full well. Maybe you've come in this morning and you are just desperate for some sort of good news that this brokenness and pain is not the end of the story. Or maybe for you this morning, you've said yes to Jesus, but you've forgotten how good he actually is. Maybe you've gone back to an old place. You've experienced the new life we've been talking about, absolutely, but lately you've just kind of been slipping back into what you used to know. Jesus is calling your name wherever you find yourself this morning. If you don't know where your hope is, let Jesus show you what real hope actually is. Or maybe you don't know and you just honestly, when I'm asking that question, you just feel a deep sense of panic. Like, I, I don't even know how to answer that question. Here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He invites you no matter where you are to come to him. One of my favorite invitations from Jesus that I'll never stop going to is Matthew 11. Jesus says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Near the end of that, he says, You will find rest for your souls. Paul said in Ephesians 3, and we read this right before communion, And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of the fullness of God. Filled with the measure of the fullness of God. That's the invitation. That's how good the hope of Jesus actually is. To be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come up. If that's you this morning, it's like, John, I'm tired of feeling broken. John, I'm tired of feeling hopeless. I'm tired of not knowing the answer. I'm tired of waking up every morning and having this deep sense of dread. I don't know what's good about me or this world and I'm just tired of feeling this way. Or maybe you're just feeling broken in your need of prayer or you need Jesus. Maybe this is the first time you've heard anything like this before and you're just like, John, I don't know exactly everything you're talking about, but I want that. If that's you this morning, I wanna invite you to come. Everybody's eyes are closed. It's too easy to kind of just, I'll pray and I'm going to close. And it's too easy to just, if the Holy Spirit's nagging on you to come up front, come up front. It's too easy to just leave the room. 
after I'm done praying. If that's you, I just want to invite you even now. Everybody's eyes are closed. If that's you this morning, just come and grab one of the prayer team. It's good, yeah, that's right. Just don't delay. If, if, God, if God is calling your name, maybe you've never, honestly, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus and you just, you need a living hope. You need a living hope. If that's you this morning, just come up front. No one's watching. So Holy Spirit, right now, I just thank you for the work that you're doing in the room. I thank you for the work you've been doing since the beginning of this morning. Through worship and through communion and over with our kids and praying over the youth. God, you are moving in our community. You are moving in our church. And so Lord, right now, I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you identify the places where we may be holding on to a hope that is not you? Because God, this world, our island needs to see a church who have built their entire lives on the hope of Jesus. Not on a good fishing season. Not on the price of gas staying where it is or the price of bait or whatever. Our, our, I hope this or everything will be okay only if. We are not giving any certainties in this world except Jesus. So God, would you disrupt the places where we are holding on to a hope that is not you? And God, I just, I just want to specifically pray for the men in the room right now. We can, we can let the work that we do define us to such an unhealthy degree. If I hide in my work, then I'll never have to deal with the pit in my stomach. That's not the life Jesus invites you into. You are invited into what Jesus called life and life to the full. Put your hope in Jesus. Not in what we do. Because what we do can pass away. But who we are in Christ, no one can ever take that away from us. And so God, right now, just like the disciples who are waiting in the upper room on that sun, or that day, in anticipation for the coming of the Holy Spirit. I just right now just pray, come Holy Spirit. You are our living hope. Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Jesus.